Madam President, moments ago, Lieutenant Thrace took the Cylon Raider on an unscheduled and unauthorized jump. Yes. Do you have any knowledge of this incident? Let's save some time here, Commander. The question you really want to ask me is whether or not I asked Lieutenant Thrace to take the Raider to Capricorn. The answer to your question is yes. You and I talked about this. Yes, we had. We both decided it was a military decision. My responsibility as president is first and foremost to protect and preserve this fleet and its future. In the end, that outweighs any other consideration. It has to. By taking the Raider, you've placed our people on the surface of Cobalt in direct danger. I'm very aware of the danger our men and women are in on Cobalt. I am also deeply aware of the danger this civilization will be in if I ignore the pursuit of this arrow. I'm going to have to ask you for your resignation, Madam President. No. Then I'm terminating your presidency as of this moment. Commander Adama, I will exercise the authority of this office until I am unable to do so. So if you want to stage a coup, you're going to have to come over here and arrest me. I don't want any bloodshed. Of course you don't, neither do I. Neither does the press. They're here, by the way. The press. They're recording every minute. Welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. I'm Jason. I'm Red. And today we are discussing Battlestar Galactica, Season 1, Episode 15, Cobol's Last Gleaming, Part 2. <laughs> but first, a little sci-fi news. Uh, so, um, it seems that the Star Wars story movies are being put on hold. Have you heard about that? No. Yeah, so Solo has had some pretty not great numbers at the box office. Um, it hasn't even come close to Rogue One's numbers. And uh, so they're they're putting the Obi-Wan movie that they had in development on hold, as well as the uh, Boba Fett movie that's being rumored to be in production as well. So right. uh, it seems they're reevaluating their movies that they're putting in between the trilogy movies. Yeah. Well, from what I heard, the solo was bad idea to begin with. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely had some production trouble. I mean, they, they got rid of the two original directors and brought in Ron Howard. So, um, there were some creative differences with Disney and the original directors to begin with. And I have to admit, I haven't gone to see Solo yet. It wasn't high on my list. I mean, there were other movies that I much would rather see. The Avengers to be one, Deadpool, sure. uh, The Incredibles 2 that I saw last weekend, which was absolutely awesome. If you haven't cool. seen it, you definitely need to uh, uh, go see that. But yeah, so uh, it's one of those things where I'm not sure if we're going to have inter 
your movies between the uh, trilogy movies? Well, I think one of the problems we're running into is a lot of a lot of people. I think the fan base is speaking out. They don't like how Disney is doing their their vision of the Star Wars universe. That may be. That may be. I mean, I like Han Solo's character in the trilogy. I'm not sure that I really need to see Han Solo's backstory. I mean, it was he was he's not one of my favorite characters, so it's not as important for me to to see, you know, a young Han Solo. Although right. I did read the young Han Solo series that they had, you know, what, two decades back, maybe yeah. longer. Um, hooked up that with was, Chewie, freeing Chewie from the slavery and all that. Right, right. And those were pretty interesting. I, I did enjoy them, but um, I understand that they're changing the canon on that, and but I haven't seen Solo, so I'm not sure how much... How much they've changed on the way they're doing shit. They might as well throw Captain Kirk in the fucking Star Wars universe. Nothing is sacred. We do not need to mix our Star Trek and our Star Wars. Let's let's. uh, But you don't own Star Wars. Disney is all powerful. That's true. They own Star Wars now. And for the better, because I read something that Lucas was going to as the next trilogy that he was going to do. And I think he, uh, I think he was talking to James Cameron or or somebody about this. The next trilogy that he was going to do was like uh, basically shrinking down and exploring the Metaclorian universe. Oh, it was awful. It was, huh. That doesn't so, sound good. So Disney really saved the Star Wars universe from from Lucas at this point. Lisa, be thinking you right. Yeah, we, we really need to thank Disney, even though they've they've really shrunk down. They they got rid of a lot of the extended universe, so they really shrunk down the canon. I I I really believe they have they have saved the Star Wars universe. Yeah, okay. Now speaking of Star Trek, um, rumor has it there's four new series in the works for Star Trek. One involving a Starfleet in Ca- uh, Starfleet Academy. Uh, one involving a limited series that focuses on Khan. That could be interesting. Yeah, that one. That one I'm actually interested in. I read a um, book about that. Do you remember the episode uh, where uh, on the original series where the Enterprise is thrown back in time and they accidentally intercept an incredibly powerful transporter beam? Because remember, in the original series, the original transport is only good to about 30,000 kilometers. And uh, they got hit for the transporter beam from essentially the other side of the galaxy. No, I don't remember that episode. It's, uh, it's called Gary 7. And this guy appears on the transporter pad in 1960s attire, looking really nice with the thin epaulets and everything on the... Or not epaulets, uh... What the hell do you call those on the suit coat? Oh, lapels. Lapels, that's the word. He's got this, you know, standard, sleek, slim, 60s style looking thin lapel sports suit on, and he's holding a jet black cat. Nice. That sounds very Bond villainish. Oh, very Bondy. And he's like, Who the hell are you? What the hell are you doing here? This is not your century, and why did you intercept me? 
Right. And it turns out it's the it's one of the first things I think I've ever seen Terry Gar in. She played a 19 year old, 20 year old kid, 1968. Terry Gar, that sounds familiar. Which Mr. Mom, she played the wife of oh, Mr. Oh, Mom. Yeah, she was okay. also the blonde assistant in Young Frankenstein. Yes, yes, okay. And uh, Gary Seven, essentially the way it broke down was this. The Enterprise uh, was trying to figure out who this guy is, prime directive, you're jacking with our past. So they're not letting him go anywhere. He escapes, gets to his office suite in Upper Manhattan, and he um, hires Terry Gar as his personal assistant. But she's basically just for his cover. The situation is he is a human being who is raised on another planet. And they are essentially raising humans to be guardians, secret agents on the Earth for the Earth's benefit. And they've been doing it for multiple millennia. He's just the most recent one they've sent. There is an orbital weapons platform, a.k.a. Reagan and Star Wars that uh, is supposed to go up and will ultimately result in the demise of the Earth if they don't stop it. They know that World War III is coming, but this would not, this would not be World War III. This would be eradicating the population of the planet because right. of the, the mood of all the other nations. And so what he has to do is sabotage the launch. So he's trying to sabotage the launch. Kirk and Spock are trying to figure everything out, blah, blah, blah. They end up all realizing they have to work together, um, that it is the right thing to do. And they sabotage the launch, and yay, everything's good. It was supposed to result in a spinoff television series with uh, this guy that played Gary Seven and Terry Gar, But they just couldn't get the money up for it. I came across a book that was uh, within, at least it used to be, uh, canon in Star Trek that picks up basically what would have been the pilot episode for this show. And it's where um, we have a eugenics project that is just getting started up on Earth in the United States and around the world to try and bring the world to a, a greater level of peace and harmony through good leaders that are, you know, super smart, super strong super benevolent and one of the kids that was born in 1970 this takes place just a few years after uh you know the episode was a kid named con noonian song okay or con noonian sing pardon me i keep i get him and the creator of data mixed up con noonian sing song is the creator of data sing is uh, the bad guy anyway Gary Seven is trying to stop this eugenics project, and um, he comes across the uh, the prepubescent Khan and is trying to mentor him, thinking that, well, maybe if we can just get a hold of a few of these guys, the best and the brightest of the best and the brightest, we might be able to keep everything on track. And he explains to Khan who he really is and what's really going on, and long story short, it doesn't work out. And then everything tracks just in perfect to his attempted rise of power and the eugenics wars, which was essentially World War III, and Khan escaping on the D 
DY100 class SS Botany Bay. Huh. That. But it was a good read. It was fun. Unlike Disney, Roddenberry was trying to keep everything within canon. Right, right, yeah. But, but it was that, fun. When did that book come out? Because was, was Roddenberry mm. actually that involved in the in the novels that, no. that came along? No, he wasn't. But um, one of the things, when I, I submitted uh, a manuscript to, uh, God, I want to say it was Random House back in the early 90s. I put together uh, just a little taste. It was basically a prologue and, and the first chapter of an idea for a Star Trek because I was hoping to get on as, you know, like a staff writer because they don't just let anybody write these books. Right. They're contracted. And I found that out with the response letter I got from Random House. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I think it was Bantam, Bantam Books. And they said, uh, bottom line, basically, um, I read enough of your, your book here or, or your story to get the idea of what you're wanting to do. We already have uh, a group of authors that we use for these books. But thank you for your submission. Have a nice day. Which was kind of a letdown. Right. A thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. But it wasn't ugly. You didn't say, and by the way, your writing sucks. Right. You know, it was just, you know, we've, we already use existing authors. But yeah, um, I know that I know that Star Wars did that. They used established authors. Yeah, or Star. It's, it's it's been my experience that both Star Trek and Star Wars, when it came to the the books, they were really good about trying to stay within the canon. I mean, if they were going to do something a little off the wall, they would they would operate from canon and say, "Oh, okay, this is an episode where you know everybody's off the ship, and it's a new crew, and they're just doing a test run with whatever new equipment, and some shit happens." Right. You know that that kind of stuff. They weren't right. you know trying to rewrite the universe. But um, no, it was, it was fun, and I and I wish they would do something like that. I think like like you were saying with Khan, that would be a very interesting thing. I mean, you could get easily four or five years just out of the eugenics wars. Yeah, yeah. So I think a con limited series would be very interesting. There's another limited series that doesn't have any known plot details, but is rumored to involve Patrick Stewart in production or in talks at least. And then the fourth series that they have that they don't have a whole lot of information on. It's just, you know, rumor at this point is uh, an animated series based in the Star Trek universe. So... I am so glad that they were able to convince Patrick Stewart to take a shot at Star Trek. I think that really brought a lot of credibility to the sci-fi genre, bringing in well, some serious actors. Yeah, he definitely brought in some serious acting chops into that series. Um, uh, he he raised the bar, and I think that really elevated the production and, and mm -hmm. acting in that series. Mm -hmm. because Definitely. I'm not sure that subsequent uh, subsequent series after that were were quite as I don't know quite as well. Oh no, no. I mean the, but, the effects were were nice, and I think the writing was okay, but I'm not sure the acting was was as good. Next generation. Well, the same could be said for bringing in like um, Edward James almost for Battlestar. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that man, he's going to he he's going to forget more about acting than most people will learn. Yeah, absolutely. He is so good. But like I said earlier, The Incredibles 2 was awesome. So, uh, if you haven't seen that yet, you definitely need to check that out. Right. Um, 
as good as the original um, easily. I think uh, Brad Bird did a, a, a bang up job yet again. Um, the Pixar short that they show before the movie is very, uh, it pulls on the heartstrings quite a bit. Does it really? Yeah, especially if you've got some empty nest syndrome going on. So, oh well, then the hell with that. I don't mess with that. <laughs> I like how you slip that in there. No, it's 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 great. You really do need to see it. It's, oh, it's I will. Endearing. I will. I'm a big fan of the Incredibles. Yeah. I'd also like to see another Megamind. Megamind. I I remember seeing that a while back, but I don't remember a whole lot about it, so I don't uh, think it impressed upon me very much. Will Ferrell played this blue-skinned, super-smart guy going up against Brad Pitt as a Superman character. <laughs> right, yeah, I do remember it was, that. It was pretty cute. I liked it. I also really enjoyed Will Ferrell in Land of the Lost. I, I haven't was, seen that. I was a. I, I own it. It is so awesome. I'm not a big Will Ferrell fan. He's about fifty fifty with me. Half his movies I like. The other half are so stupid. I just I can't handle it. I like Will Ferrell fine. Um, oh, I like him fine. Me. I'm just saying some of his shows. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean some of his movies. Yeah, they're okay, but some of them um, are like a, a Saturday Night Live skit that should have stopped five minutes in. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's pushing it, and then others are awesome. But uh, like Elf, Elf is amazing. Elf is awesome. Yeah, I, I that's love a Elf. Christmas classic. You know, but that Ricky Bobby Juby Doobie whatever race car movie, I could. I like that, that one. It fine. was okay. It was okay. But it's. I mean, it's not Shakespeare. But see, I grew strength, up right? watching Land of the Lost on the Sid and Marty Croft Superpower Hour or Sid and Marty whatever, and uh, Land of the Lost. Um, Kids on a raft on a trip. They fall down a waterfall. They end up in a different yeah. dimension. Dinosaurs. Yeah. I remember that show. And Will Ferrell plays this really egotistical idiot archaeologist scientist. Thinks he knows everything in the world. With uh, a legitimate scientist and an idiot amusement park guy, and they end up in the land of the lost. And it's. God, it's awesome. They've got the sleigh stack and everything, and it's just got some real funny moments. They even got Grumpy the Tyrannosaur. Nice. It, it's it's cute. It's cute. But What sci-fi news do you have this week? Um, I have none. I will be honest with you. I haven't seen anything that's caught my attention about sci-fi. I was going to mention the Star Trek spinoffs that they were talking about. Oh, sorry. I stole your thunder. You did. Um, beyond that, <laughs> um, I was just going to add the, the one thing you didn't do. I was going to add that um, not going to watch those either if they're on the CBS pay-per-view, whatever. Oh, yeah. That's CBS All, Act, All Access. All Access. Pass. Yeah. yeah. I'm not paying $10 a month for a, a show. Exactly. Um, but, yeah. That was really all I had come across, other than I've heard some really good things about uh, series that I've yet to watch, The Expanse, but apparently they've got some really good episodes. Oh, yeah. The Expanse and, uh, is awesome, and, you know, we are at the end of the first season of Battlestar. Yes. And I still have just just a little throw out there just to remind everybody i personally really enjoyed the new lost in space on netflix and i'm looking forward to the next series next uh, season it, it ended on a pretty interesting cliffhanger 
Yeah, that's one that I still need to check out. So um, I did finally patch up with all of the series that I'm, I'm currently watching. So I've actually got some some free slots available to uh, to put that in. So I'll probably be checking that out in the next month or so. Now, this isn't a movie. Does it count if it's not a movie or a TV show? No, no. It's sci-fi? Yeah, Strange, it Stranger Things is launching a book franchise. Is it really? And it's going to include a prequel about Eleven's mom. Wow. Have you seen, you've seen the Stranger Things series, right? I've seen uh, five episodes. Oh, maybe, maybe man. seven. Maybe seven. Yeah, you need to catch up. It just up. never really grabbed me. It would get me. I'd be interested. And then it would just kind of, I don't know, I get bored, get dull. Huh. Okay. But I, I guess I just didn't opposite. stay with it long enough. Well, I mean, if you if it didn't grab you by the episode, by the fifth episode, it probably isn't. I mean, when uh, when I was watching it, you know, it caught me first episode. I I think we binge watched it in two nights. Wow. So we we caught the first five episodes the first night, and then the the last five episodes the next night, and uh, we were done with the series. It was it was that compelling. So. Uh, if it if it hasn't caught you, I'm not sure it will, which is fine. I mean, it's it's not for everybody. I think it I think it really hit that nostalgia bone for me. Yeah. Um, all those old D and D rallies. Oh yeah, just the yeah, just all of the '80s references. Um, Ralph but, Partha miniatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember I when you could actually call and talk to Gary Gygax. Oh man, that was that's that's a while back. But do you remember yeah. when we could do that? Yeah, you could actually. I never got to talk to Ral Partha, but I was able to talk to a couple of his assistants about miniatures. I used to buy them and paint them up and sell them out after I uh, did them up. And I, I actually remember talking to Gary Gygax once. Called called the number, and he was actually I don't know for whatever reason, but yeah, I actually spoke with Gary Gygax when I had my. Uh, was it first or second edition DM? Oh, that would have been first edition. First edition. First edition. Yeah, man, that's taking me back. Where's the Mountain Dew and the Cheetos? Yeah, but so, but yeah, um, I'm looking forward to season three. Uh, season two was was pretty good. So, and do you remember when we actually went to the game designers and and actually talked with and did a quick battle with the original designers of Starfleet battles. Vaguely. Yeah. That was a while back. That was a while back. But yeah, all sorts of good stuff. Old days. So what do you think about the end of the first season, man? I told you there was some interesting things. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if they, if they had been renewed before the season was over the way they left it, it seemed like they were they were anticipating a second season. So um, they they definitely left it out on a cliffhanger. Uh, there were a lot of things that that aren't wrapped up. So uh, they they definitely let you want or left you wanting for a, a second season. Um, I think this is probably a a good point for the pod crawl. What about you? Oh heck yes, let's crawl. We call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl? The pod crawl! Pod crawl! Pod crawl! Pod crawl! X 
Excellent. Insert it deep. Pod crawl. Kind of like a space suppository full of information. Crash helps pull the survivors from his display of landing expertise. As the Caprica turns, goes on a history class field trip. Adama and Rosalind have a difference of opinion and start up a game of political poker. <laughs> Hooker is tasked with bringing her own welcome home gift to the Cylons. Starbuck gives herself a big pat on the back as she guest stars in everyone's favorite soap opera. Not Boober tells Hilo she's got a bun in the oven. Billy <laughs> reveals that his contract wasn't renewed for season two. Starbuck takes some no-glow juice and goes arrow hunting. Boomer and Racetrack take a tour of the Cylon base ship to personally deliver their special package. The Chief and Crash debate proper tactical search and rescue options. Baltar goes on a ruin exploring tour with Imaginary Six. Billy and Dee share a final phone call. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. <laughs> Starbuck finds a pointy phallic symbol, but Six doesn't want to share. Boomer and Racetrack land next to a base ship volcano. Naked Boomer ambassadors come to welcome Boomer to the Sandals Cobalt Base Ship Resort. <laughs> the situation goes sideways when Ty tries to arrest Rosalind as Apollo exercises his Second Amendment rights. Boomer gives a one-stall review and heads back to the Galactica. Adama puts the president behind bars, gives a disapproving look to Apollo, commends Boomer and Racetrack, and then takes two in the gut as thanks. Roll credits. There you go. Yeah, interesting episode. So... It was it was one of those things where you're kind of wondering if uh, James Olmos's contract wasn't re-signed by him because they kind of acted like they're going to kill off his character. They're definitely setting it up for a lot more mysticism in season two. Right. They're still on fucking Caprica. I was really hoping <laughs> they would uh, leave it, that fucking planet behind. It. They will. They will. We've been for, on that damn for a planet. Bit. We've been on that damn planet for 15 episodes. Two people have been on that planet for 15 episodes. Yeah. I'm sick of this soap opera. I'm, I'm ready for it to end. And it will. God, I hope so because then they'll go back for another spinoff on Caprica. <laughs> oh. Oh. So, what do you think of it? I liked it. I thought it was a good ending to the series, or pardon me, season. Um, I am, I was really getting tired of it until they started bringing in um, the whole hybrid thing. I thought that gave, uh, breathed a little more life into the episodes and the series in general. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Now, I suppose the scene towards the end of the series with Baltar and Imaginary Six looking in the uh, bassinet or the Mm -hmm. crib on on the stage was the hybrid that um, Not Boomer is going to give birth to. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw that foreshadowing. Um, So (laughs) do you think that the massive beating that Caprica Six gave Starbuck was. I told you there was a cat fight coming. <laughs> Do you think that was uh, some? Uh, I don't know. Some little jealousy. Up, some pent up angst release on uh, on Starbuck for fucking bias or guys. Well, no, it can't be because remember, you keep saying Six is simply his. I know, and you kept saying that you know. It, it's not. So I'm I'm trying to get your take on that. My personal thing is is that I really do believe that 
a lot all the models are very similar in thought not identical mm-hmm. they have this they have the same innate knowledge when they download into a, a new frame a new a new body okay but where they go with it after that is entirely up to them it's just most of the time because it, pardon me they're similar programming they think the same that's why boomer is or as you're going to find out, the eights, the model eights are a little off. There's a couple of hardcore ones. Don't get me wrong. You'll meet a few of them, but uh, the eights are in general more uh, human oriented than Cylon oriented. And six, she wants. I think she sees humanity as an ends to a means of her own evolution. And she doesn't like the idea of anything human surpassing her. So I personally believe that the six that we're seeing with uh, Gaius Baltar is kind of the resident program that gets downloaded to everybody. And that's why she seems to know so much all the time. She's constantly in tap with all the other sixes. And so, yeah, I think there was a little bit of, you've been touching things you shouldn't be touching (laughs) going on in that. And uh, I also think that she resents humanity, especially females, because they're able to do things that she has yet to be able to accomplish, both physically and emotionally. So, yeah, absolutely. If anything, I would say that six is probably the most human of all the Cylons. Yeah, so I think at the end of this episode, I was a little more convinced that maybe Imaginary Six isn't all in Baltar's head Um, because of the fact that I couldn't come up with a plausible scenario where he would envision a Cylon hybrid in the crib. Um, He doesn't know of Not Boomer's existence. Uh, He doesn't know that Hilo and Not Boomer have had a relationship that would produce a hybrid child. Mm -hmm. Um, He he just doesn't have any of that foreknowledge. You just have no idea how hard it was to keep my mouth shut for the last several (laughs) weeks. And we would argue back and forth over six. And I'm like, I've got the trump card right here. (laughs) I'm not entirely convinced but i am starting to move i am seeing okay. evidence that maybe it's not just in his head maybe maybe there is some truth to what you've been saying where they're actually he's actually communicating with uh the cylon six the cylons through i don't know he somehow got a, a communication with an actual six he's still she's still going to be called imaginary six but that'll work we got not boomer and imaginary six. Yeah. What are you going to call all the girls at club club space club Cylon? Oh, that's naked boomers. Naked boomers. Yeah. They had way too much shadowing in that too much foreshadowing. Too much shadowing altogether. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so military coup and then right. mutiny all in yeah. the same, all in the same effort that, that took a little bit of uh writing gymnastics there. It did. I'm not sure I believe Lee's motivation on that. I think he would have spoken up before then. Oh, yeah. Um, some, seems, of the, some of the writing's a little clumsy. 
it seemed, yeah, it seemed purely for tension's sake at that point. I think if they had written it to where Ty had actually injured or was about to imminently injure the president in a moment of passion, I could see Lee doing that. Yeah. And one of the other things that I didn't like was the way that the assault team came directly into the room uh, right in front of everybody's guns. Um, they just basically entered the room and now it's a now it's a standoff. Uh, everybody's pointing their guns at each other. What the hell kind of tactical response is that? Yeah, I think there would have been a couple of flashbangs followed up by some knockout gas. I mean, let technology do the work for you. Work right. smart, not hard. Right. Don't yeah. these guys watch cops? Bad boys, bad boys. And doing it while they're all still awake? I mean, come on. But yeah. You're right there. And why did one of those guys knock Lee in the back of the head as soon as he swung that weapon? Well, I mean, but you're, you're taking the chance that as he's knocked in the back of the head, he pulls that trigger. I mean those those guns. If you look at if you look at when Starbuck was shooting at uh, at Caprica Six, I mean she was plowing through those thick, I guess marble or concrete oh, yeah. walls, and they were big holes. So whatever like caliber a, of weapon that they're using, I'm I mean, telling they're you, it's, powerful it's, and make big holes. It's it's specifically designed to take out the toasters, and I'm going to fall back on the Aliens franchise and say that is a standard 10 millimeter light armor piercing caseless. I'm not sure I would even use those types of weapons on spaceships. No, that's why I like Babylon 5's weapons, the PPG. Yeah, I mean, I would be afraid that I'm going to punch through the hull if I shoot one of those weapons, and then you got decompression. Yep. Yep, I bet you a foot and a half wide hole could suck a human body through pretty easy. Uh, yeah, one way or the other. Yeah, but yeah, so we got uh, the president in jail. He, she's taken into custody. Lee's taken into custody. Well, but, Lee was taken into custody and then somehow got out of his. Uh, yeah, but you're jumping was, ahead though. Don't jump too far ahead. Taken into custody, and then they go to the CIC. Yeah. And he's uh, telling Boomer what a great job she did in uh, landing that ship and getting the nuke on board. Uh-huh. Of course, she has her realization that she's not the only Boomer. Uh-huh. She's a little concerned about that. And then I think she loses some time. and Yeah, things happen. <laughs> and her programming kicks in. Was it just me, or did you also see the little spinning beach ball of death in her irises? <laughs> yeah, I think uh yeah, I I'm think a so. firm believer that Cylons come out of Apple, not PC. You think so? They're, you yeah. think they're Apple? I think they're Apple. They're Apple. I can see that. You'll never get a virus on an Apple, but that's just because nobody uses Apple, so Yeah, that used did to I be true. Did I say that or did I think that? I'm sorry. That, that used to be true. There's there's some viruses for apples now. Yeah, and there's a lot of people using them. Oh. But now, um, I thought it was interesting how Lee was cuffed and uh, cuffed very narrowly, so that that yeah, so that his arms pushed up against his his ribs and and you know enhanced his his bulging biceps. But um, <laughs> and then somehow he was able to get free of his restraints as his father was bleeding out over the uh, situation board. 
um, so that he could comfort him uh, and and kind of try and hold some of that blood in. So sure, that was a little continuity error, I think. Unless he's like Houdini and just just get out of handcuffs. Maybe. Hell, I don't know. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how Coddle can just relight cigarettes after they've been snubbed up, and the man's a magician. He's got skills. He's one of those smokers that lights his cigarette off of his other cigarette. Oh, hell yeah. Why waste time? In fact, he could probably just rip off the bottom of a pack of cigarettes, <laughs> light them all up at the same time, and smoke them like a fucking harmonica. <laughs> yeah, he could. And, of course, he conveniently was not on the ship. It's so much better to send your chief medical officer to another ship rather than transport people to the medical bay. Oh, did he Did he say that? The, uh, did they say that he wasn't on the ship? I missed that. Yeah, he was not on the ship. He was over at, I don't know, the, the, the brothel barge or whatever, checking shit out. <laughs> yeah, I missed that. I totally and, missed that. Yeah, he wasn't even on board the Galactica. And um, so they had essentially a field medic. You know, they had, they had a corpsman there that was going to take care of and try and stabilize the commander until they could get him back. And then, of course, they decided they needed to do a jump. They got to jump because they're about to get ambushed. Right. And jump worked well for them, but they didn't end up at the same place the fleet did. So now they got a real dilemma. The commander's dying. The only way they can get back to the fleet is to go back to their point of origin, recalculate the coordinates, and then jump where the fleet went. But it's going to take 12 hours for the computer to crunch those numbers. Wait, what are you talking about? That wasn't in this episode. Whoops. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, Coddle's not on the ship. Whoops. Okay. Figure that at that. <laughs> Little preview of things to come. Whoops. <laughs> My bad. Oh man. So how do you think Racetrack got her name? <laughs> I don't know. Uh horsing around? Yeah, probably. Maybe racing no, I think she's. A, I think she's a gambler. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. To be honest, I think she's a gambler. She's like she's not ponies. a main character in the show, but she does come back a few times, and she she's not above making a bet. Oh, uh, okay. So they they kind of explain that in, in future episodes. Yeah, they touch on it. Gotcha. Not that I would ever allude to a future episode. No, no, Sorry. not at all. <laughs> Whoops. The next episode picks up immediately where they stop, so. Okay. So, I mean, it's not too much of a spoiler there. No. All right. Well, um, I guess we're at the end of this season. I thought we might do a, a little uh, palate cleanser and maybe on the next episode do a, a sci-fi movie of some sort. Kind of discussed this previously. Yes. Um, we discussed maybe doing Battle Beyond the Stars. What say you about that? Huh, so say we all. <laughs> so a little bit of uh, background on Battle Beyond the Stars. This is basically uh, the Magnificent Seven in space. 
And uh, of course, The Magnificent Seven is based off of Kira Kurosawa's uh, The Seven Samurai. But much abridged. Much abridged, yes. Much, uh, much abridged. If you haven't seen The Seven Samurai, you must. You should. Oh, yeah. It's, However, it's, you need to take a day off. Yeah, it's a long movie. Um, what is the runtime on The Seven Samurai, I wonder? The... Uh, Let's do some research on the fly, shall we? Oh, it'll be four hours. Seven Samurai. 1954. Research on the fly! Here, Kurosawa. Runtime, three hours, 27 minutes. So three uh, and a half hours. Four. Oh, no. I mean, that's not far off from four. What's a half an hour between friends? <sighs> I'm saying. But yeah, so... The Seven Samurai, three and a half hours. Battle Beyond the Stars comes in at an hour and 44 minutes. Well, you know, it's oh, a it's Roger a, Corman film, you know. Uh, it's about half an hour, or half of the film, so. Um, the only thing missing in this movie is going to be Hooters Girls Jumping Rope. <laughs> yeah, so this is a 1980 film, and this is... Uh, this is definitely during the time where breasts were in film a lot. Oh, my, yes. Even on starships. Even on starships. Yes, we get breastage on starships. Just imagine the Millennium Falcon with headlights. Oh, my gosh. So I've never seen this movie. So this will be uh, an interesting uh, it's not bad. It has a pretty impressive cast. Right, right. It's and, got Richard uh, Thomas from the Waltons, if anybody's old enough to remember that television series. It's this, got George Pappard. It's got Robert Vaughn. Right. It's got John Saxon playing the, the antagonist. So it's you it's know. got a... And it's got a hottie from the 70s into the early 80s by the name of Sybil Danning. Nom Nom Award to Sybil Danning. She was a, just, wow. She was the crash bang boom back in the, in the late 70s, early 80s. So, if now, you're over 18. Now, the, uh, the question is, we continue with Battlestar Galactica after we have our palate cleanser, or do we maybe start a, a new series? I think we should leave Battlestar simmering on the back burner for a little bit and hit a couple of movies. Okay. Sounds good. So let's, uh, we're going to do Battle Beyond the Stars, and um, I guess we will decide the next movie after that. Sounds good? Sounds good to me. All right. But now we got to do our awards. We do have to do our awards. So, who's your Black Lung Award? Coddle. Didn't see anybody else smoking other than that Raptor crash so skillfully landed. And I just about gave it to the Raptor, only it exploded and it was on fire. So it didn't make it through the episode. I didn't figure it. It warranted getting the right. If it had just board. stayed there smoldering <laughs> right. to the Raptor. Right. Crash by default. So uh, so my my Black Lime Award also goes to Doc Cottle. Um, my Head Lush Award is also an honorary award this episode, and that's Ty. Very good. I agree. Now, your player award. Player award. Player award I'm going to give to Hilo. Nice. And why is that? 
because he managed to impregnate a machine. The guy's got uber sperm. That's true. He does. And I was actually, Hilo was my first choice as I was thinking about it because of the, the same reason, although not quite the same. I was like, he's, he's basically, you know, when he uh, told Starbucks, she can't shoot Boomer because she's having my baby. That was, mm-hmm. that was going to be my player award. But then I was thinking, you know, imaginary six actually makes Baltar want a baby or is, is making him all hot and bothered as she shows him uh, a baby. That's, right. To be foretold, and I, so that's I give my player award to Imaginary Six this episode. Now, see, I thought about six for the same reason, but I defaulted over to Hilo because I figured you tell me it doesn't count because it didn't actually get down to the boom boom. <laughs> so player, the player award doesn't necessarily have to end in sex, although I'm sure it did. They just didn't gratuitously show it. I mean, after after she revealed the child to come to to buy, uh, I keep wanting to call him Bias. I think that's going to be his start. new fucking name is Bias. <laughs> so after uh, after she showed the child to be to Bias, um, he uh, definitely uh, got the hots and came in for a long deep kiss. So now, question is. Who's your Purple Hippo Award go to? You gotta keep them separated. Oh, Gaius. Yep. Absolutely. I told you, we've got, there's too much delusion to not have <laughs> the Purple Hippo Award. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bias definitely gets my Purple Hippo Award. And there's I mean, going to be a couple other characters that start having some interesting visions. Walk into a, walk into a set of ruins that are barely there and then imagine this immense concert hall you definitely get a, a nomination well yeah the actual I mean, that's, award. let's see that's it's that's what makes it so interesting because that's actually how it used to look yeah that is interesting if that is actually how it used to look because that that's means what, that's that what the current imply. Cylons have knowledge of the original COBOL which supposedly happened and the colonies left COBOL before the Cylons were even invented. Well, but they also keep saying the one thing over and over again throughout the right. series. This has all happened before, and it'll all happen again. Very good. Very good. I mean, I don't know who's to say that maybe humans at one time were created by the Cylons. Ah. That would be an interesting twist. It might be. might not be. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So for our next episode, we are going to talk about Battle Beyond the Stars, the 1980 film. A young farmer sets out to recruit mercenaries to defend his peaceful planet, which is under threat of invasion by the evil tyrant Sador and his armada of aggressors. My Lori. Yeah. So this will be a fun experience. A little palate cleanser before we... Uh, Get the next next series, couple of movies to uh, break things up. Sounds good to me, man. It's been a Sounds good ride. Good. All right. Well, as always, thanks for joining us this week. Our intro and outro music is "Welcome Home" by Cambo. Pod crawl music is by is Snack Mix by Machette. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podchaser, and Blueberry. 
You can leave us feedback at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com, on Twitter at at status underscore podcast, or email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace at outlook.com. This is Jason. This is Red. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Have a good one.